This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Melbourne's lovable radio station. Joy 94.9. Good evening, Melbourne, and welcome into the locker room on Joy 94.9. The locker room uh, tonight is missing Smithy. He's uh, on vacation in Bali. Uh, not sure why. And uh, so I'm joined tonight by Adam. Good evening. Adam, what is on tonight's show? Well, we've got a big show tonight. Uh, we're joined by Olivia, who is a spokeswoman for the Darwin Out Games next year for 2014. Which uh, I think we're planning to go to. That'd hopefully. be exciting. Well, hopefully if uh, Joy, a.k.a. if you're listening uh, to senior management, we would like to be up there <laughs> covering the games. We also are speaking exclusively to Nigel Owens, who is an international rugby referee, and I believe he is a gay referee as well. Yeah, so uh, 2007 Sports Person of the Year in the UK. He's very, very well recognised internationally, so we may not know him so much here in uh, Australia, but Mm. of course he's been involved in a number of World Cups, most recently in New Zealand uh, and World Cup final. So um, very, very well respected rugby referee. So we'll be talking to him about uh, his experiences and of course coming out uh, and uh, living in country Wales. So um, really interesting guy and be great to catch up with him. And we'll get him to pronounce all the town names and and, and things like that too. I know. I think there's one place where he worked that was uh, 24 straight consonants. So uh, (laughs) probably not a Wheel of Fortune game. Uh, We also are speaking to Aaron, who is a Melbourne Victory fan. He joined us last week to do a bit of uh, trash talking with the Hart fan. Yeah, look, he did actually pretty well broadcasting. So we've actually thought, well, maybe we'll bring him back because uh, we're just so inexperienced in uh, soccer or football. So uh, being the world's game and with uh, the World Cup coming up soon, well, it's a couple of years away, but uh, with the sport taking off in Australia uh, and so many people getting involved, uh, we've asked Aaron to come back and give us a little bit of a summary uh, on how the A-League's going, who who's looking like winning and where they're going. Can't wait. And, of course, we have your amazing, as always, Roundup. Over to the States, and Craig James, the fired Fox News sports broadcaster, said to media today that it's unconscionable that he was let go for his religious views and that the network will either have to rehire him or face a civil rights lawsuit from his lawyers. Mr James, a former, a former NFL, so that's uh, the their version of football over there, running back was a broadcaster for ESPN and CBS and was hired by Fox uh, just in September here. Just days later, however, Mr James was fired after statements he made last year during his failed Senate bid in Texas. 
How American is this? About his religious views on marriage resurfaced. He said during a 2012 campaign appearance, people who choose to be gay, I think it's a choice, I do. Same-sex marriage, if someone chooses to do that, that's done. And God's going to judge each and one of us in this room for our actions. And in that case, right there, they're going to have to answer to the Lord for their actions. Adam, he sounds like a fantastic guy, and I can't believe he didn't uh, fail his, in his Senate But I'm wondering why I didn't get in with the Tea Party. <laughs> for obvious reasons there, I think. Yeah, so uh, interesting guy. Sort of um, got to keep your trap shut. Uh, so now for some uh, common sense back here in Australia. The Australian, so follow me here, there's a few pe- there's a few organisations involved. The Australian Sports Commission has finally put its neck on the line by endorsing the goal of becoming a top five nation at the 2016 Rio Games. So remembering that they were number six in London yes. and they didn't actually do that well. Oh, well, they did that well, but they didn't win as many gold medals as they expected to. So mm. Australia's pretty much up there. Yeah, unfortunately, the 2012 London Games wasn't really the best achievement on our list. No. And um, so so this is the Australian uh, Olympic Committee President, John Coates, who's saying he's glad that the Australian Sports Commission is finally putting on its line by endorsing a goal. Mm-hmm. The two bodies, however, work together to achieve Olympic success. Now, this is what's kind of interesting. Many of the nation's top athletes work alongside key Australian Institute of Sports personnel, so they're part of the Sports Commission, for 47 of the 48 months leading up to each of the Olympics. Wow. Then the Institute, which is a division of the Commission, then hands the athletes over to the AOC. I mean, how ridiculous is this? So you're with a group of personnel, yes, and they're running with them 47 of the 48 months, and it's only a month before the Olympics. Oh, no, we're now going to give you this to this other commission that's now going to run you and take you to the Olympics. So that sounds almost as logical as algebra and now they've actually well they've now actually decided to work together so they're going to embed personnel in each other's organisations so um, I don't know amazing that didn't happen 10 years ago but anyway (laughs) look um, it's great to see some common sense stuff uh, you know what my pronunciation of words are like, so we're going to cover the soccer stuff. Uh, Here we go. I'm, I'm, this, I'm hanging for this. Uh, Aaron's going to have to pronounce it, but um, Ange Postiglaglos? No, I got it wrong. <laughs> anyway, rise to the Socceroos coaching job was confirmed by Football Federation Australia today. The 48-year-old has agreed to coach Australia to the World Cup in Brazil next year and beyond. So pretty exciting that... Um, I'm not sure if he's got an Australian passport, but um, he's a an Aussie uh, that's uh, coaching the victory. And uh, the producer's waving at me saying, Australian, Australian. So he is an Australian, <laughs> which is good. It's going to please a lot of people. Uh, however, Melbourne Victory are going to have to release him as coach. So people are going to be really excited about that. We've heard, heard a, lot, a lot about that from Smithy. Yes. People uh, seem to want Australian-born, bred uh, coaches. So... You know, well, it's pretty diverse. I mean, you look at Arsenal and uh, Arsene Wagner, who's who's a who's not a, an Englishman, has been their coach for how long? Yeah, but I suppose clubs are a bit different in terms of uh, Arsene's French. So you know, clubs have always had that sort of exclusivity. But England, yes, uh, Fabio Costello. Oh, I don't know if I've got that <laughs> right, but Fabio, we'll go with it anyway. Uh, huge problems. So the Italian, uh, the English, pretty much. Uh, the producer's written another sign for me, Capello. Uh, so now going over to tennis, a day after celebrating his 21st birthday, Bernard Tomic exited the Valencia Open. Sounds wonderful. I don't know why when I say that, it just reminds me of oranges. When he retired from his first round clash with Russian at Mikhail Uzini, Tomic, Australia's top-ranked men's tennis player at 52 in the world. Isn't that crazy? So Australia's number one. 
There's 52 in the world. I thought, you know, Aussie with the sunshine and the tennis courts would at least have someone in the top 10. But anyway. You'd think that. Started with a promise and, with a promise and won the first set on Tuesday. However, struggled and um, lost quite convincingly. Uh, Tomic is expected to announce his new coach in the coming weeks with Father John suspended from the uh, tennis circuit after an altercation with uh, Thomas Jewett. Tomic's former hitting partner. Now, we may have remembered that gentleman yes. uh, in the Spanish courts. There seems to be a, a something happening here where it seems all these Australian tennis... Yelena Dokic's father was 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 asked to leave courts and things like that. Do, does Australian parenting just go out the out the window these days? Well, I think it's the type of parents, isn't it? We see them... They're, 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 they're the hardcore parents. They're the oh, ones yes. that get you up and they whip you into shape. It's sort of like Michael Jackson's father. Right, James O'Connor. In our clubs are starting to discuss signing Wallaby bad boy James O'Connor Connor because of his price tag has tumbled about 500000 So James O'Connor, if we don't know, the blonde-haired young gentleman that plays for the Wallabies oh, and yes. the Melbourne Rebels. Uh, a bit of a pin-up boy for uh, a number of people in our community. Yes. Uh, so his original price tag was 750000 contract with the Melbourne Rebels down there at Amy and he used to get a $350,000 top-up from the Australian Rugby Union for playing with the Wallabies. God, can I get that top-up? Maybe we can speak to our producer about getting a top-up like that. Well, basically he's not getting any top-up now. Now, he can basically can't even get signed anywhere. So his price range has fallen to two hundred to 250000 So he's actually in the range of the common person. So uh, Jeez, Louise. sell your house. You can get James <laughs> O'Connor for $250,000. Uh, so NRL clubs are looking at him for it, but he's probably not the build for NRL. You have to be a pretty big lad to play. Is that so? You sure do. That is your roundup tonight on The Locker Room on Joy 94.9. The perfect mix of music, news and interviews. Joy 94.9. It's 17 minutes past seven and you're in The Locker Room with Rolly and Adam tonight. Smithy is uh, sunning it up in Bali. Adam, we're joined tonight by Olivia Beckett from the Out Games that have been held in Darwin next year. Good evening, Olivia, and welcome into The Locker Room. Hi there, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Olivia, I mean, let's just get back to basics. Tell us, what are the Out Games? Well, the Out Games are a big celebration of sport, culture and human rights. Um, They're a multi-sport event held um, for the gay and lesbian community of the Asia-Pacific region. Um, This is the third regional game. So there's been previous games held in Melbourne and in Wellington. Um, So we're now proud to host... Um, the third Asia-Pacific Out Games in Darwin next year. And how's the preparation going for the Out Games, Olivia? We've just started to really ramp up a notch. So we're about at the um, six months to go mark um, early November and we just noticed how busy things are getting with a myriad of um, plans and things to organise underway. Olivia, there's a number of sports uh, this year, oh, I'm sorry, next year in the Out Games. Some of them we may have, you know, the usual suspects such as soccer and and touch. What are some of the other sports that uh, we may not have heard of or maybe a little bit more unusual? Yeah, well, one sport that we're really pleased to host is Dragon Boat, um, which hasn't been in a regional Out Games before. Um, Dragon dragon, Boats? Yeah, Dragon Boat Racing... um, has a really strong um, Asian vibe to it, and Darwin's a really multicultural Asian vibe city, so it's um, a really popular sport up here in our tropical environment. Um, so, yeah, Dragon Boat, and you can enter as an individual um, into that, and then you compete in teams. That's a good point. Not to uh, stray too far away from some of the other sports, but mm. uh, kind of interesting, this idea of individuals and teams. So yeah. uh, if, if I'm listening right now and I'm thinking, you know what, 
need a holiday in Darwin. Uh, also wouldn't mind playing a bit of sport, getting to know new people. Yeah. Can I just register by myself? Do I have to go and get a team? What's the go there? Yeah, um, you can do both. So most of the team sports, so like volleyball, touch football, hockey, um, roller derby, um, you're able to be an individual, um, but you might not have a, a huge group of friends around you who are able to come up. Um, so you can enter as an individual and then the sport coordinator will help um, put you in a team with other people, hopefully roughly about your ability level. Um, I guess the easiest way for us is to have a big group of friends um, and join and make your own team. Um, but we, for most of the sports, we're able to cater for individuals and teams. Oh, fantastic. Just to go back to uh, some of those sports you're talking about, so dragon yeah. boating, just to elaborate on that a little bit more, you're not going to get us out in those crocodile-infested waters, are you? <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, we have a beautiful um, little harbour, Cullen Bay, and that's where the dragon boat will be taking place. So it's crocodile-free, can assure you that. And so uh, the boat, what have you got, sort of uh, five or six on each? Uh, they have ten people in a boat. Oh, OK, so it's yeah. quite a big sport. Yeah, yeah. Any synchronised swimming? There is no synchronised swimming, but what? we do have... Fine Smithy will be so disappointed. I know. But look, we, we welcome sequin swim caps, so you're, you're <laughs> not a problem at all to enter the swimming. So what have you got in the ver- so in the pool? You've just got, what, freestyle, um, bit of butterfly? Yeah, we've got a, a really big program for swimming, and it's actually already um, our biggest sport in terms of registration. Um, so we're really looking forward to having a, a bumper swimming program. Um, all the usual suspect events are going to be there. Um, including some relays um, at the end of each day's program. That sounds awesome, Olivia. I just want to go back a step uh, before you mentioned that it's a sport, it's a cultural and it's a human rights weekend. Mm. What are some of the cultural aspects of the program that uh, that people can look forward to? Well, we're just putting together um, the finishing touches on the cultural program. It'll include certainly an opening and a closing ceremony. So we're looking forward to all of the athletes being able to march out um, at the opening ceremony and then party at the closing. Which sounds like you've already started. <laughs> And um, and then throughout um, throughout the week, there's a whole range of things. Some are going to be some free events. Others will be um, paid for. So there's some local Indigenous boys. The Chucky dancers are going to be performing. We'll have some black tie type events, um, some cocktail parties. Um, there will be Throb, which is um, the gay nightclub in Darwin, will be having their amazing drag performers. So, yeah, and some art um, and other cultural things. So, yeah, huge range. Adam uh, Throb, I, I can say it's a very good nightclub if you if you do ah. make make it to Darwin. I've been there a couple of times. Excellent. Never been there. Have you not? Um, one thing I was going to sort of point out. So, uh, in terms of getting to Darwin, are there any mm-hmm. sort of uh, cheaper cheaper options, or have you got things organised that people can sort of tag onto, or we or do we need to organise our own stuff? Well, you, you will need to organise your own thing. We've partnered with Corporate Traveller, so you can look on our website at the moment um, and it, there are some um, accommodation and flight, I guess, specials that have been earmarked for the out games, um, but you'll need to book those on an individual basis. Um, but there's some nice clear links through that on our website at the moment. And if you just hear some squeaking in the background, that's my 11-month-old son. Sorry oh, about that. fantastic. Oh, <laughs> uh, so just to create the burning platform for people listening, uh, what, what are our deadlines, timelines to get people moving? Well, we're, we're nearly at the six months to go, Mark, and we'd love to see people now who've been talking about coming start to register. We've, we're, we're nudging the 200 mark um, with registrations, which is fantastic at this stage. Um, and you've got until April to register. Um, but what I've always been encouraging people to do is to register early, 
get your friends involved. Um, and that really helps because when people start talking to us about, you know, how many softball teams have registered, they're trying to decide whether it's worth their effort going. And if everyone's waiting, waiting, waiting to see if other people are going to register, um, sometimes they might miss the boat. So we're encouraging people to get in there, register particularly with their team sports um, so that everyone understands what size the competition is going to be and can get excited about it. I love <laughs> it. Tom's cheering in the background. No, he got really excited. I think Tom's <laughs> really wanting people to register. So with uh, regards to Team Melbourne, which is our umbrella organisation yeah. here, yeah. people can either take the uh, the step and either engage with you guys directly through the website, so I'd just say mm-hmm. Google Darwin Outgames is probably Correct. the simplest way, yep. or they could go through Team Melbourne. Is that is that yeah, one of the protocol? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, We've got Team Melbourne, Team Sydney, Team Adelaide, um, all being really proactive. Um, So speak to your local guys and girls there um, to get in touch with your favourite sport. But there might be some sports that Team Melbourne don't normally offer that might be up here at the Out Games. So we've got Roller Derby and and Dragon Boat that we talked about before. So um, Fantastic to hear you've got Roller Derby because I know that's pretty big down here and we'll be talking to the Roller Derby girls uh, next week. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, Olivia, so much for joining us in the locker room tonight. And we'll be catching up with you uh, in a few months' time just to see how things are going because we think it's going to be a great event for Australia and, of course, the region. You're in the locker room on Joy 94.9. Great shows, great topics, great radio. Joy 94.9. Adam, many would say being an official in any sport is not an easy task with abuse coming from both spectators and players alike. Is this more difficult when you're openly gay? We're now joined in the locker room by a man who can answer these questions. Nigel Owens is a international rugby union referee and you may have recently spotted him officiating games in the recent rugby championships. Welcome, Nigel, into the locker room. Thank you. How are you all? Oh, brilliant. We've probably got a little bit of international delay there. Uh, so, Nigel, does it make refereeing more difficult by being openly gay? Um, I, I guess I guess it can do in, in a way. Um, but that's a saying that it, you, know, you wouldn't be refereeing international level if you couldn't deal with um, some of the other pulling legs and some of the abuse... Um, Stuff so that you wouldn't be at that level anyway. So I guess it does make it slightly more difficult. It's if Sydney was a referee at that level to be able to, to cope with that. It's just like Sorry, Nigel, we're uh, you're cutting out a little bit. We'll have to get you to. Uh, can you grab a little bit? Uh, bit more reception. We're having one of those uh, difficulties. Um, I suppose just at that point, yeah, we're getting you a lot clearer now. Apologies. So you're just sort of picking up on that point again. You know, is it is it difficulty being out on the field officiating at such a high level, um, being gay, or it just doesn't really matter? Um, it doesn't really matter to to me because, as I said, you, you you wouldn't be I wouldn't be refereeing at the level of the game if I wasn't able to deal with with the abuse and and what sometimes publicly thought about or said about you. After saying that, um, it's not nice sometimes just that abuse is, is personal or, or crosses the line which to address yourself um, as an individual team which is acceptable or, or not. So, um, but it, it, I don't think it's more, but it, it does leave you open to sort of, you know, for, for people to say more things about you, I guess. Was it a hard decision to to come out at uh, considering of your position as an international referee? I think you're your second second highest or second in charge out of all the referees, aren't you, Nigel? Um, it, 
it was difficult. Uh, I think there are two things um, that are difficult uh, when you're dealing with, with your sexuality, I think. I think the, the most difficult thing for, for myself, and I, I would guess it would be the same for most people, the, the most difficult thing was was accepting yourself who, who you were. Um, that's what 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 sort of got me down and, and got me into a state of, of depression and which drove me in the end to, to try and take my, my own life, um, which... Um, which was very difficult. Um, after accepting who who I was, um, I was then able sort of to move on to the next stage then of um, how am I going to deal or how am I am I going to be able to carry on with my with my officiating, um, especially at the top end of the game uh, when people know that I'm gay. So that was the next challenge then, which was a difficult uh, challenge. Um, but it wasn't as difficult as as the first challenge of accepting who I was and. Um, once, once I did make that step in, in coming out, it did take me a few years and I agonised over it, uh, and it was, it was affecting my performance as, as a referee, and it was affecting me uh, as a person as well, because I always had this worry in the back of my mind, what, what's going to happen when people f- found out? And um, in the end, I had to make the decision. You know, um, it's the same as everything in life, I guess. If, if you're happy within yourself, then, then you'll do whatever job you do in life much better. You know, a, a happy referee is, is a good referee, and um, <laughs> I wasn't happy in my life. So um, I had to make that decision, and, and I, I spoke to, to my line manager uh, and sort of, sort of tried my foot in the water first to see what it was like, and, and they said the Welsh Rugby Union were very, very supportive and support me all the way, and, and they've done that, as done the, sort of, the players and, and everybody here in Wales and spectators. Really, so um, and, and across the world, really. So um, it was a difficult decision to make. But then after I made that decision to come out, um, it it wasn't that difficult. I was looking back then and thinking, I wish I'd have done it a few a few years ago, or a few years before. No, I suppose coming out, did uh, you ever cop any uh, homophobic abuse? Have you ever had any negative reactions, or was it, or has it sort of been a bit of plain sailing? Um, it's been surprisingly quite sailing in in one sense. Now there is no doubt. You know, if, I, if I'm in a stadium of of seventy thousand people, and there are people shouting things in that crowd, and they don't make a decision, which which probably maybe has a, has a homophobic uh, alignment. Um, so there's no doubt that that, that does go on. Some of my friends can sometimes they've been to watch a game where I'm refereeing, and and they say I can't believe the other things that are shouted. So there's no doubt it goes on. I I don't cure it, um, and. The, the negativity of it, uh, is outweighed uh, by the positivity of it, you know. Um, so I can really count on one hand sort of any experiences I've sort of come across that were negative uh, against my sexuality. And uh, only once really uh, in a game during the local game in Wales, there uh, wasn't much of a conversation. Nigel, uh, uh, sorry, we've got you cutting out again. Apologies. We might have to get you go to a little bit of a, a higher point. Um You've all you you also have written an autobiography and are a TV presenter, so you're quite multi talented. I mean, what's next for you in your your career? I didn't I didn't write that autobiography myself. So I just told the story it was written for me, and then I just sort of read over it, sort of things that like I wanted it to be said. I guess. Um, well, at the moment, I'm, I'm really and I hope to referee in the next World Cup, hopefully in 2015, and. Maybe a few years beyond that, we'll see uh, how the body is and how I'm performing, I guess, as well. Um, if I'm good enough to be at that level for a few more years after that. So, so that's the age just refereeing to keep on enjoying it. Um, I do a bit of TV work and stuff, and which sort of gets me away from rugby. Sometimes it's nice sometimes just to have 
something different to sort of to look forward to because I, I can't sort of think rugby and do rugby every day of the week you know it's nice to just switch off of it sometimes so you know the the TV work to sort of fills in that sort of gap really sometimes in the week and uh, and I, I hopefully the name of the autobiography was, was Half Time which was the reason behind that was because I felt when I did the book about three years ago that I I hadn't achieved much compared to some of the other referees um, so I wanted it to not to be the final book. I when I when, when I finish refereeing, then there's there's place for a, a full time maybe where I can you know what I can say a bit more then really than I did say in the last book. You know, um, I had to be careful in the last book that I didn't sort of what certain coaches or players that I you know found difficult to referee or you know disagreed with what they said about me or whatever because you know I still may be refereeing those. So and. It was it was left a bit of a, a scope really to to do a, another book when when I finish refereeing. So uh, that sort of take, that that's, that didn't take place now. Really preparing stuff for that. So uh, there's plenty to keep me busy at the moment. Anyway. Nigel, I suppose uh, with Alec Ferguson's book just coming out with all of his revelations, we'll be definitely looking forward to your next book full-time to find out. Uh, and, of course, my favourite player, Richie McCaw, who's probably one of the most honest players in the world. Uh, Nigel, thanks so much for uh, joining us in the locker room tonight on Joy 94.9. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Uh, going through to uh, Aaron Zanetti, aren't we, with the soccer? We are. He was in our studio last week and he killed the trash talk against the heart. So we've, we, I think we've brought him on as our resident expert. Welcome back inside the locker room, Aaron. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Aaron, give us a rundown. Who's who? Uh, what's going on? Uh, and who are the number one teams this week? And I'd just like to first say my team, the Wellington Phoenix, drew 1-1 with last year's uh, runner-up, didn't they? The Western Wanderers? Yeah, yeah. Western Jeez, Wanderers. You guys, uh, you've got the ex-Melbourne Victory coach, the American charge, and Carlos Hernandez, who um, was uh, fairly prominent at the Victory for a number of years before he had a, a year over in India. Um, so you guys did pretty well. Uh, Western Sydney, you know, they, they hit the lead in the Phoenix came back and, you know, um, from all reports, they were unlucky not to take all three points. Just tell me for a second, so I couldn't actually pronounce it before, the victory coach is now the Socceroos coach, is that right? Yeah, that's right, Ange Postacoglu. So, uh, Asto, well, hang on, Postacoglu, <laughs> is that right? Postacoglu. Postacoglu, all right. Yeah, that's I'll right. get that because I'm going to have to read that quite a lot, I'm suspecting, because it sounds like he's going to be here till what, the World Cup? Yeah, well, he's uh, just signed a five-year deal with uh, to be the Socceroos manager today. Uh, so Victory are going to miss him sorely. I think he's he's been at the Victory for about eighteen months, and um, you know they'll just try they're starting to see the fruits of Ange's work for the past eighteen months. And uh, I actually went over to Adelaide with the mates um, last Friday night and saw the Victory play, and they came from two 0 down. Uh, they had the, the rough end of the stick on a few. Uh, dubious decisions and um, in the second half it was just wave after wave after wave of victory attack and unlucky not to, um, just like your team, the Phoenix, not take all three points. Um, but, you know, I think it's a positive thing that he's going to the Socceroos. He knows the players, he knows our local players, uh, he knows our players playing overseas who may not be playing in uh, some of the more prominent leagues and uh, I think that, you know, with Ange, he does take a while to get his system across but um, give it three or four months and I think we'll start seeing some more positive results for the Socceroos. You know, that's funny because that's exactly what they said about Danaher, Neild and, and a couple of other Melbourne <laughs> Demon coaches as well. Give him a couple uh, of months, you watch what will happen, yeah, ten no, years later. No, 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 but it, it's not that he's unproven. So he, um, for those who don't know, 
uh, much about our uh, the game. Uh, he started off managing. Aaron, uh, the Socceroos have been uh, pretty bad of late. What 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 is he? What can he do to uh, rectify the situation? Uh, well, as I said, he knows our players. He's got a really good style of play. Um, he'll be able to just instill in them, you know, just the game plan that he wants to play, which is a passing game. So it's not just long balls, passing it around. It's if you see Barcelona play, it's that type of play. Um, and he's got the ability to, you know, be a good man manager and just fire the players up and get them ready. Just to bring it a little bit closer to home, you have to tell us and, and be nice. How, how did that wonderful uh, soccer team, the Heart, do this week? Uh, they didn't do too bad. So they were up against the Premiers last year, uh, Central Coast Mariners. Yeah. Um, they were 2-0 up, looking good, uh, and then had two penalties awarded against them and ended up drawing two all. I didn't see the game oh. itself, but, um, yeah, a bit of bad luck for them. But sure. they, they started quite well, which is good. Uh, and going up to Brisbane now, up to... Uh, they, they played at home, didn't they? Uh, yes, Brisbane 4-0 winners against Sydney FC. So Sydney FC, they have... 4-0 uh, against LPO. Sydney FC, because they were supposed to be the, the wonder child, weren't they? Exactly, exactly. Sydney have always been full of bling, but um, haven't really delivered much. And so uh, how big was the audience at Suncorp? Was it pretty big? Are they getting pretty yeah, good think, turnout there? Yeah, I think they had about 23,000 people there, so it's um, you know quite a healthy crowd. The bigger crowd's always down in Melbourne, but um, it's good good turnout for the Raw. Now, I'm going to play a little bit uh, ignorant here. Has Queensland got any other teams, or are they just basically no. relying on Brisbane? No, they, they used to have Gold Coast and North Queensland both uh, sort of folded a couple of years back. So it's just Brisbane um, that's the sole team there now. Okay, so uh, who's your pick at the moment to uh, for the top four? Uh, at the moment, Brisbane, um, victory. It's going to be interesting to see how they go without uh, Postacoglu. Western Sydney Wanderers and Adelaide United, they're, they're my top four. We'll see how we go at the end of round 23. But they're in the first two rounds looking... Um, you know, they're looking the better teams compared to the rest. Brilliant. Thanks, Aaron, for catching us up tonight in the locker room on Joy 94.9. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. Adam, this yes. week, Rugby League World Cup starting. Is it really? Mm. Do you know um, much about Rugby League? No, I have something against 11 men running into each other head first because, you know, when you watch Rugby Union or AFL players come off, they're very eloquent and they do good interviews and Rugby League players just go, I'm the best time of my life. Maybe we should start that again. I was expecting you to say, yes, please tell me oh, more. Sorry. I don't know enough. Yes, please tell me more. I don't know enough. So uh, I was actually thinking it's quite masculine tonight, isn't it? I suppose, Well, we've had Olivia on, of course, from uh, the out games, but of course we've had a bit of uh, rugby. Uh, so we'll have to start uh, branching out past the rugby next week. Uh, I think we've got roller derby on next week, which will be quite fun. That will be exciting. Mm. So, have you ever um, done that? Well, I rollerbladed once and skinned my knee. Is that, <laughs> is that close enough? Uh, anyway, what is it? Uh, so the World Cup for Rugby League, 1954. So it's actually, uh, if you know the, if you're a union person, uh, their first one was held in '84. So the Rugby League have always been ahead. Uh, the Aussies have won nine since then. The Brits have won two, and the Kiwis won one. It's kind of interesting because mo- with most tournaments or World Cups are held every four years. So the Olympic Games every four years, Commonwealth Games. Every 
every four years, blah, blah, blah. Yes. I could keep going on. The rugby league just does it whenever they feel necessary. So sometimes <laughs> um, they're thinking after this one, which is, what, 2013. The next one yes. will be 2017. So they're sort of evening it out. But there has been some years where it's been six years apart. So Is it a masculinity thing where they say, oh, it's been enough, we've been losing for too long, that we need to get the trophy back sort of thing? <laughs> well, maybe. maybe it's, yeah, it's probably a little bit like that America's Cup thing. They say, <laughs> oh, right, we'll, we'll play for it now. So, uh, so how it's been played, look, it's been played over the last uh, six decades. So 12 teams uh, qualify, 10 teams automatically. Uh, the, the, the two new teams are Wales and the Cook Islands. So mm. it's not the strongest competition. Uh, I mean, the Cook Islands, I mean, population of about 2,000. I mean, um, so you are, I don't want to say scraping the bottom of the barrel, but you're getting down there. So there's four groups. Uh, we've got Australia and England, Fiji and Ireland. So uh, Australia meet England in the first game. Uh, group B will be Papua New Guinea. Now they'll actually, believe it or not, because uh, Papua New Guinea use territory, old territory of Australia. So uh, that's where why they play league. Uh, France, New Zealand and Samoa. Group C, Tonga, Scotland, Italy. And Group D, USA, Cook Islands and Wales. Uh, so uh, interesting to have a look at the odds. We've got Australia at 1.3. Three eight. Now these aren't betting odds; these are mathematical odds because oh, we okay. don't we don't promote that here. No, uh, the anti Tom Waterhouse, as far as I know. The Kiwis are at four to one, uh, England eight to one, and then it just sort of takes a huge nosedive. Where we've got Samara at sixty seven to one, <laughs> going through to Papua New Guinea at one fifty one to one. Oh. Do you know what's really interesting though? Uh, Cook Islands and Scotland are the same. 500 to 1. So Scotland population of 4 million. Quite hardy blokes with a Cook Islands population of 2,000. So, um, Well, most of their population plays in uh, in the uh, NRL anyway. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And then uh, you've got the USA at 1,000 to 1. Uh, so it looks like the Kangaroos are pretty much going to probably take it out again. But the Kiwis have got Sonny Bill Williams. So we'll sign it off there. That it's- should be exciting. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station. Joy 94.9. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes left before we go out, but we do have a lot going on in sport this week, I believe. Yes, we do. Actually, we were going to have somebody from uh, Racing Victoria on, but, of course, being Racing Victoria, they got caught up at the Cox Plate luncheon. So yes. um, we're going to have them on next week. So uh, to make sure you've got all your Melbourne Cup winners, your sweepstake, you know the talk. And you, you know, know what to... hats to wear, more importantly. Well, exactly. You're back on track, Victoria, <laughs> as they say. Uh, this week in, in sport, the Wallabies may have lost out in the Bledisloe Cup, but now... It it's time to change codes and see if that helps the Aussie fortunes. As said before, the Rugby League World Cup kicks off in the UK this weekend with the Kangaroos opening tournament against England and Cardiff. So it's not actually in England, it's going to be in Cardiff, which is, of course, over in Wales. It's already round three of the A-League, and we spoke to Aaron. Melbourne Heart and Victory will be looking for their first victories of the season after drawing their opening two matches this Friday night. The Victory take on the Brisbane Roar. Is that affiliated with Katy Perry at all? Uh, yeah, law, yeah, I think they're playing it at the start ah. of the matches uh, at Etihad. So, of course, get down there to Etihad. And the heart take on Perth Glory in Western Australia. So, um, I don't know. Oh, it's all on SBS now. Is it really? Which is fantastic, yeah. So, I think that's one of the big things that they're on public t- TV now. Uh, and the Poms are going to take on the Aussies in an Oxford takes on Cambridge here in Melbourne. Uh of course, Oxford and Cambridge are both in England, but they're going to do it here in Melbourne <laughs> in the dirty old brown Yarra. So um, we'll see how the Poms go in that lovely river. Uh, it's also going to be Australia's oldest and greatest universities uh, rowing clubs. Uh, it's one minute to eight, Adam, and that must be us for the week. 
It is. Thank you to everyone who joined us on the show today. To Aaron from Melbourne Victory. Olivia from the Outgames. And Nigel from live from uh, the UK. Yes, exactly right. Although he did have a bit of uh, phone issues. So coming up next is Leilink. We will see you next week in the locker room on Joy 94.9. your favourite show? Head to the new Joy website and click on podcast to catch up with the best Joy has to offer. Joy.org.au Thanks for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.